Today on the show, the thrill of Olympic virtue, Father Ryan's buzzwords, making a roadmap of philosophical thought, our picks of the week, and so much more. The Catholic Underground Lenten Tide starts right now. Yes, yes, it is time for the CU Weekly. We are the podcast that tries to cut through the noise of the digital continent and bring you the topics that matter. It's episode number 364. I am Father Chris Decker. Joining me this week, we've got Kathleen Lee. She's a religion teacher at Archbishop Chappelle High School in Metre, yep. Louisiana. Yes, in Metre. She's, uh, she's freshly back from our nation's capital. Yes, mm. I'm feeling very American. And she joins <laughs> us, as she always does. Hey, Kathleen. Happy to be here. That's right. Olivia Galino is the Associate Director of Youth and Young Adult Ministry for the Diocese of Baton Rouge. And she made us confections today because she's our official chef. It's true. You all get to eat my Sunday baking. That's yeah. true. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because these little things were, um, these were like the leftovers of a much larger project. Yes, which is not an indication that you guys are only worthy of leftovers, oh. just that I ran out of the stuff that I originally stuffed the other that's, things with. That's so sweet. That's, that's very sweet. It was very sweet. Uh, yeah. also, also not stuffed. Father Ryan Humphreys <laughs> well, is actually here in sometime. studio today. Hello, world. Yes, he's the pastor of St. Edward the Confessor Parish in beautiful, sprawling Tallulah, Louisiana. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, and he joins us in studio just because he felt like driving down. Because so, why not? You yeah. Know I mean? uh, because Father Ryan has a camera on our video feed, that means we had to pull a camera off of the uh, the satellite of Jeff. And so Jeff is with us uh, in disembodied voice format, which for those of you who are following us on the podcast, that's fine with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Blackwell, he's the technical director of the CU. Calm down to the Jeff Star One. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Father. Good to be here. Yes, indeed. I tell you what, and Albert Dupont. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, ah. Albert the Great, we call him around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the chief medical officer of the Jeff Star One, and he is switching the video <laughs> feed. So if uh, if you like what you see, it's Albert. If you don't like what you see, well, just blame me, because why not? You know, it's Ed. Yeah, yeah it's Ed. It's yeah. Ed. Ed is at a wedding in New Jersey. Oh, and cool. So, yeah. And so uh, I understand that he'll be eating a lot of Greek food because he knows oh. this great Greek place. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. So, so Ed, I'm a, little, I'm a little jealous, but it's all right. Yeah. Seconded. Because, you know, in Louisiana, we have a, a, very, um, a very sizable Greek and Lebanese community. Mm-hmm. And so it's really good and easy to get, to get good Mediterranean food here mm-hmm. in Baton Rouge, yeah. which if you need a reason to visit, come to see the Catholic uh, Underground Studios, yep. and then we'll take you out for Lebanese food because it's like... What a quarter of a mile! Right down you the could road. spit to it. You, you could, and in Louisiana, that's not a crime. <laughs> there right. you go. There you go. So uh, we go halfway around, actually all the way around the world now, mm. to uh, to Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. That's right. So uh, I have been trying to watch the the Winter Olympics. There doesn't seem to be as much kind of oomph behind the yeah. coverage, and it's getting a little more difficult to watch if you don't have. Uh, a broadcast television. Yes. Yeah. Well, I find that like it's so sporadic. And so you, you tune in and it's everywhere. Mm. Like all of my shows have been bumped. There's been, hasn't been a blue blood. <laughs> all of her stories. <laughs> They're gone. And I'm like, come on, Pyeongchang, get out the way. But then on the, like on the actual channel itself, like on NBC, yeah. it's like downhill s- slalom, slalom ballet and you're like what is this <laughs> did you know that that ballet skiing used to be used to be part of the olympics that's there's awesome. video of it it is awesome you should ballet look it up. skiing so yes. like synchronized like or, just or this like... one person dancing around on skis it is phenomenal Kathy, you, you, that you used to do that in high school <laughs> <laughs> did that one time all the way down the mountain yeah. <laughs> it wasn't intended <laughs> no it was a freestyle accidental so, luge yes yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> that is true yeah it was uh it was quite the scene. But, I, gosh. 
So I've been watching it, but like all the good stuff is like on like the NBC, CNBC, CNN, NBC, BC One, and I'm, there's like six channels. Yeah, the and NBC Sports All the good Network. stuff is on the other channels. That's true. So if you don't have cable or mm-hmm. a streaming package, no. Yeah. And and I find it weird because of uh, the time difference. Like mm-hmm. um, you're watching the replay, and so yeah. you're like, mm-hmm. "Yeah, America!" And they're like, "Oh yeah," and this was rewarded, awarded last <laughs> and night. And by the way, America lost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. So, but the Olympians are always something to watch because you really do see the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, as they always say about the wide world of sport. Yeah. But the Olympians uh, really do have a lot to teach us because they they are like the pinnacle of what you can do with the human body yeah mm-hmm. i mean this and they make it look so easy yeah. so like the level of talent and the effort put in by these athletes is like inspiring you're watching it and you're just going how do you do that mm-hmm. like you know, sean white's perfect snowboard routine right. i mean didn't miss a trick which is what they're called yeah, yeah. Hmm. good for you yeah. now these ex- these uh athletes are a great example of what we need to succeed in life in general and in the spiritual life as well i bet you you didn't you didn't think when you were watching curling that this could relate to <laughs> your spiritual life and yet and yet it can now there's a reason that saint paul often used the analogy of athletes for the spiritual life because he does he talks about mm-hmm. running the race he mm-hmm. talks about not aiming for a crown that's passing sure but an eternal one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now three lessons that we can garner from olympic athletes are you ready for this i'm ready lesson one consistency all right, serious athletes like those that are participating in Pyeongchang, which is ending tonight, actually, if you're watching us live, um, practice rigorously and on an ongoing basis. Yep. They are constantly practicing. They set like up their a, whole facilities yeah, for that, right? They're, they, they, you know, oftentimes if they're young, they'll drop out of school, a regular mm-hmm. school, you know, they'll, they'll uh, attend classes and be tutored, um, but they, their whole day is Practicing. It becomes their universe. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they set up a schedule. They follow through. Everything else falls to the wayside. Right. If they're serious about getting a medal, they're going to practice almost every day without fail. Mm-hmm. Um, often several hours a day, forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. They don't flip flop, procrastinate, or take days off because they feel like it. It's not like they wake up and they don't feel good. So they're like, ah, uh, not today. Yeah. They go and they do it anyway. It's funny too because a lot of these uh, Olympians are are young. Mm-hmm. They're they're in their twenties or much lower, right? Yeah. Like seventeen, yeah. eighteen, and to, oftentimes young people get a very bad rap yeah. for for not being driven. And mm-hmm. yet these these young men and women are a model of consistency, huh? yeah. of being um, uh, long suffering too. I suppose if you yeah. want a gift of the yeah. spirit to attach to. Yeah, it. I mean, can you imagine like training and and your whole life is for you know the Olympics or this competition, and like what happens if you don't make it? Like you know you you put so much into you know, your life is this sport, um, aiming towards this one thing. And so, you know, days on end, days on end. They don't vacation. They don't go hang out. They don't go to parties. This is what they do. So if we're going to be successful in our own spiritual life, yeah. personal life, business life, um, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, of life you have, we got to be consistent ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right? We got to take steps going forward, no matter how little those steps are, to be consistent. Yeah. Right. To get up when it's hard and do it anyway. To pray even when you don't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know, to go to mass even if it's early and you have to, you know, squeeze it into the early mass because you know the rest of your day is crazy. You know, to be consistent, to do it anyway. So today, lesson one, we take time to reflect on how consistent are you as we are mm-hmm. um, in the throes of Lent, right? This idea of reflecting on our own lives and saying, you know, where am I lacking in that consistency in my prayer life, right, in my spiritual life? Um, and where do I need to push 
push myself for that consistency. Yeah. How consistent are you? Lesson two, perseverance. These are all like athletic words. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. One of uh, the best things about watching the Olympics is hearing about the background stories of these athletes. Because they right? do that in between yeah. the, the events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so many of them have had difficulties, obstacles to overcome, uh, just to practice and succeed in their particular sports. Just to, you know, get to the ring or get to, you know, get the supplies that they need. Multiple um, broken bones. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They had one, um, uh, I think it was a, a skier. She did some jumpy things. I don't know. Some jumpy <laughs> Things. Yeah, he was jumping with a broken thumb and this hematoma what? on his on his side. They kept talking about yeah. this hematoma, like half of his side, his whole hip is a humongous bruise. Oh. And this dude was jumping and landing on on um, hard packed snow, right? And he was you're gonna be feeling that w- today. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And he was doing it way better than well, I would. And, and that's totally it. one of those things that Saint Paul brings it up because remember Saint Paul is the one who talks about we have to preach Christ and Him crucified. Mm. And so there's no sport at all, not snowboarding, not anything that doesn't involve the cross, that doesn't involve real suffering. You know, waking up early, but also lifting weights or yeah. or you know doing stuff that's just sometimes miserable. I mean, yeah. heck, you know, being outside when it's cold, we're Louisianians. That's yeah. insane. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you we know. don't think about um, about pain that we cause ourselves mm-hmm. because of the actions that we wish to perform. So whether it is the gym or whether it is a sport, that is actually a participation in the sufferings of Christ. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that something? We don't think about mm-hmm. that, I don't think, all the time. Yeah. Like in, in our spiritual life, the pains that we have to go through of, of letting things go or getting yeah. over ourselves or... Um, you know, changing our way of life. Allowing ourselves to be humbled. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, sometimes these athletes fall and they fail, but the the idea is that they pick themselves up and they try again, right? This idea that if you fall, if, if, you know, Sean White, the Olympic snowboarder, would have given up the first time he fell, where would he be? Uh, Back at the ski lodge, right? He'd have even longer hair. Yeah, right? Because he cut his hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, he did. Apparently. Looks a lot better, I think, but, you know. Didn't work out for Samson. No, I'm just saying. I know. Now, if we're going to succeed in our spiritual lives, we will also need perseverance, right? Times are hard. We all struggle. That's what, you know, I was talking to a friend um, earlier about penances, and, and she was like, man, Lynn is hard. And I was like, yep. <laughs> That's, you know, like, yeah, right? We all have our crosses to bear. So it's important that we trust in God and persist so that we can get through these hard times, mm-hmm. right? That if we feel, if we fail, if we feel like we can't go on anymore, if we feel dryness in our spiritual life, right, where we just want to stop and say, okay, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Lord, you haven't answered my prayer. Lord, I feel, you know, deserted. Lord, this is just too hard to be a witness to the faith, right, that we just keep going, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I, like, I'll share with you one of, the, one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got was actually from Father Chris. Uh-oh. He was then um, seminarian Chris, right? Oh. And I was going through a time in my life where I was like, I don't have any answers to any questions that I have, none. And, he, and Father Chris said, one of, the, one of the greatest things that we can do is just keep going, mm-hmm. right? Even if you feel like, like it's not, you know, fruitful or, um, or that you're getting anything out of it, just keep going, right? And the minute that we stop where we are in our faith life, in our spiritual journey, is the moment that, we, that it ends. It stops. Mm-hmm. There's no more. Um, you know, because the Lord's not going to drag us, you know, along no, if we no. don't if we don't want to go. But, but you know who will? The evil one. He yes. will drag us right into the corner and point us in that direction yeah. to the corner, so that we think yeah. we're the only ones uh, uh, not persevering. You yeah. Know? Unless we forget that God will give us all the grace we need to keep yep. going. That's right. Right. But we have to ask Him for it. And part of part of God's giving grace to us 
is allowing us the grace of perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. Giving us the grace to put one foot in front of the other and to keep moving. That itself yeah. is a grace. We don't always think about it because there's not always an emotion attached to it. Sure. But, mm -hmm. but, but that grace is real. The ability for, for you to say, okay, one more step. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's all that, you know, sometimes that's all we need to focus on is that one step. You know, I think that if I wanted to be an Olympic athlete right now, like I'm not going to walk out and, and, you know, be doing giant slaloms and all this kinds of stuff, speed skating. But if I really wanted to do it, right, I'd have to uh, put on skates, mm -hmm. find a ring, you know, like get up and do a practice one, one step at a time. Right. So our second lesson, we reflect on how persistent are you? Yeah. How persistent are you when times get rough, when times get get hard. Lesson three, focus, <laughs> right? Most serious athletes focus all their attention and effort on one sport, except for the ski jumpers. They do all kinds of ski jumping things and things like that. Do you see but the guy, <laughs> the guy who's from, um, oh gosh, uh, uh, starts with T Tongo. No. Oh, Turkmenistan. No, not Turkmenistan. Good one. The, the Tonga guy. Uh, he was in the Summer Olympics. Oh, yeah, the one who, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. He marched the, in the opening yeah, yeah, yeah. ceremonies, uh -huh. yeah. The uh, oily one, yeah. The, the oily one. <laughs> but the guy from Tonga, he trained for the Summer Olympics uh -huh. and participated in the sport. And he says, you know what? I think I want to train for the Winter Olympics. Mm -hmm. And he's now participating in the Winter Olympics. Yes, indeed. That's That's a... Definitely focus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, by focusing on just one sport, an athlete can put all of his or her time, all of her, his or her resources, their attention, their physical abilities into being the best that they can be in that one sport. They're not trying to, you know, to kind of spread themselves thin on over, you know, four or five different sports, right? And it's easy to see that dedication and focus when you watch them perform, right? That, you know, they get in the zone and they often do kinds of like, you know, they'll psych themselves up and they, and their focus, their, even their face mm -hmm. is just like, says, this is what I'm doing. And this is mm -hmm. what I'm doing right here in this moment, no matter what else is going on anywhere else. And it seems as nothing exists except for them and their sport. The athlete blocks out everything that can potentially get between them and achieving their goal. Mm -hmm. Right. So all the noise, all the, the, whatever's going on in their personal life, it's, it's out the way. Right. And this is how it needs to be for us. In order for us to succeed in, a spirit, in our spiritual life, we need to focus on the one thing that matters, our Lord. Right? Mm -hmm. Does that mean that we sit and pray all day? No. Right? But everything that we do... Unless you're a monk. Oh, unless you're a monk. Okay, yes. Or okay. none. Or contemplate. Okay, yes. Those people, thank you for the clarification. For the majority <laughs> right? of people who are listening <laughs> to this podcast. But for all of but us you're lay, regular people out here, here no. right? Yeah. yeah. Does that mean that, you know, that... that that everything we do is is of a religious nature no but everything that we do in our daily life is aimed towards you know leading people to god being a witness to our faith um and it's, it's all aimed in that direction right and that's a part of the thing i think about focus too is if the, if we're focusing on where we need to be in our relationship with the lord then everything that we do will point in that direction yeah. even if it's not a religious thing i'm doing you know yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like the athletes who think about their sport or talk about their sport, even when they are doing other things, even when it's the off season, mm -hmm. right? We can train ourselves to think about God and talk to God no matter what we're doing. We're sitting in traffic. We're, you know, being a teacher. We are um, in a bubble bath. I don't know, whatever it is you're doing. Right? We can train ourselves to, um, as Thessalonians, there it we're, is. You're doing great. Thessalonians, ah. found it out, uh, says, never cease praying. Yep. Right? 
That's we right. pray in all that we do, if we focus and practice. Staying focused on Jesus, of course, isn't easy, right? I like to think about Peter and when he walks on the water, all the waves that, that are in our life, mm-hmm. all these things that come up that try to distract us. We're pulled in all kinds of different directions. We're busier than ever. We're bombarded with distractions uh, that do their best to keep us scattered, to keep us spread out, right? As if, you know, we were competing in a billion different s- sports, Therefore, we have to often take time apart to remind ourselves of what we're aiming for, mm-hmm. what it is that, that our life is geared towards. Um, that's why we have Advent and, le- and Lent and feast days to guide us and remind us of what that is, that's what right. our goal is, what our focus is, God and heaven, right? our eternal yeah. happiness. And Kathleen, do you think in a minute we can talk about a bonus yes, lesson? Yes, bonus lesson, accountability. Ding, 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 ding. I don't like that word. No, we don't like that one. There's one more lesson that ties all the other lessons together. All of these athletes, especially the most successful, don't do it alone, right? You don't train alone. You don't get on the slopes alone. There's always somebody there giving you a fist bump or a high five, right? They have coaches, cheerleaders, and others to help them stay on track. They have people on their side to encourage them and support them and to guide them in victory. I love when they show the families. Yep. And the families are freaking out just as much, you know, as you know this athlete's freaking out on the inside. Um, but uh, they can be we, – we need people to keep us accountable in our own lives, yep. right, whether it be a spiritual director, a priest, um, friends that we surround ourselves with, community that we surround ourselves with to help us, right? That's why we share – I like to share my um, – my Lenten sacrifice with somebody because mm-hmm. if I keep it to myself, well, then I can change it 50 billion times. Oh, but if I cool tell idea. someone else, listen, I need you to, I need you to keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're that little ear, they're that little voice in my ear saying, Kathleen, Kathleen, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what we need to be successful. So take time to reflect. Do I have a spiritual director, a life coach, accountability partner, a friend that I can reach out to and say, I need you to keep me accountable. There if you go. not, it's time to get one, people. <laughs> That's right. Focus yes, up. Yes, indeed. Pyeongchang for the win. <laughs> well, before we go to, uh, to, to Father Ryan's segment, we just want to take a moment to remind you exactly of who we are. We are the Catholic Underground. I get there. <laughs> nice miniature punch. Nice you should right. you should try out for a ski ballet. You think ski ballet? Mm-hmm. Well, there's ice cricket now, so you can what? do ice that. cricket. Cricket on ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think maybe that would be a, a good uh, a good like like alias. Yeah, I'm ice cricket. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Word. Uh, and you are listening to the Catholic oh, Underground. We are online at catholicunderground.tv. Somehow. You would, you would make an excellent ice cricket. You think? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm Father Chris Decker, also known as Ice Cricket. Uh, Jeff Blackwell's in space. Olivia Galino is here. Kathleen Lee is here. Father Ryan is here, which is why things are a little crazier. Yes. Our picks of the week Thank are coming you. up, but but first we have a new segment that we somehow like to call. Buzzwords is what we call it, and it's basically, uh, it's a part of the show where where Father Ryan tries to explain something that's happening a lot um, in in parlance, common parlance, and uh, and tries to help us make sense of it. Yes, in in theory, yes. In theory, 
So anyway, uh, <laughs> different professional groups have always have specialized lingos, right? You know, and the professionals that work together, it helps them to work together not to have to repeat long things. And so nowadays, that lingo seems to be kind of leaking out into our everyday life. And so what I want to do, because I'm spending a lot of time working with professional developers and JavaScript and HTML and the, the web and new media and new technology, is help folks to start to understand what some of these things mean. Because some of this stuff... Nobody in the free world needs to know. Father Chris, you don't need to know what ReactJS is. No. Ever. I know what the JS part is. You don't need to know. You just, I understand just, those words separately. Is it JavaScript? Yeah. For the win! What? What? Yes! Go Jay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You should yes. get a medal. That's uh, right. we, we, can, we can issue you one. There you go. Uh, so, so there are some things that folks just don't need to know. But today, I wanted to present something that's extremely important, something I'm spending a lot of time with, and I think it's relevant for us to understand. And that is what we call A11Y. Mm. A11Y. The reason I, we call I it A11Y know. is that the word accessibility starts with an A, ends with a Y, and has... 11 letters in the middle. In the middle is 11. Nice. Yeah. And so if you have to type this word out a lot on your computer code, you start going four letters is way better than 14. Mm -hmm. And so A11Y is, or accessibility, is how, what do we do if somebody is using their iPhone but can't see? Mm -hmm. Or what do you do if somebody is using their iPhone and they're colorblind, and I think my orange and red website looks awesome, <laughs> but they don't have any idea what's going on. Or what do I do if somebody needs to use my website using a screen reader? And, and we have some kind of big obvious kinds of what we call disabilities. But think about this. What happens if you have to use your iPhone with one hand because you're carrying, I don't know, a baby? And you mm -hmm. have to, you're temporarily unable to use all of your, you know, the tools available to you. And so one of the things that we're starting to ask more questions about is what can we do in the world of technology, in the professional world, to help folks who are not completely and totally able to use everything at their, at their uh, disposition all the time. And so I, I really want folks to start to think about and, and, and to, to understand how difficult it is, but also how important it is when we're thinking about something like social media. Right now, Facebook has a very, very good contrast between blue and white and red and gray, and that's not by accident. It's that way so that folks who are colorblind or folks who have limited sight can access that website. Mm -hmm. From my point of view as a developer, but from our point of view as users, yeah. there's a lot of apps on our phone. There's a lot of websites we go to that don't do that well. There's a lot of websites we go to that use what's called parallax effect. Have you all seen that? That's where you're scrolling up and down and the images move at and different rates. Oh, kind of, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people who have vestibular disorders. I don't love that word. Vestibular <laughs> disorders, that's, that's balance issues. Yeah, it, and makes them, it makes them nauseous. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, there, there are some horrifying videos on the web of customer testing of somebody doing this and all of a sudden falling out of their chair oh. because yeah. people can have serious conditions. Hmm. The same thing with animation. Mm -hmm. Right, we don't think animation's that big of a deal. You know, you go, oh, cute, the little box glows green, but there are people whose brains don't work, you know, the way mm -hmm. that that our brains work, and all of a sudden they see that and they get motion sickness. Yeah, oh, yeah. And so, you know, from my point of view as a developer, that's a big problem because I need to find a way to help those folks. But even when it comes beyond just what I'm doing in terms of code, how do we reach out for people who are in need of accessibility? in our evangelization efforts. Yes, yeah. mm -hmm. right. Or, or beyond that, I mean, as a, as a teacher, as a professional, what do we do? Mm -hmm. 
I, I think, uh, like in terms of a bulletin, you know, um, my, my design in a bulletin should be uh, colorblind friendly. Of course, many bulletins are still black and white, although right. that's changing as, yeah. as the time goes by. So is there a high contrast? Um, is the type this is always a tough one because mm-hmm. uh, bulletins tend to be um, tend to be read by a, a certain uh, age group of people in your parish mm-hmm. who already perhaps have eye issues mm-hmm. and so I have to to make that that uh, difficult choice of can I make the type this small or this large um, so that I can fit all the information I need in but mm-hmm. is it going to be small too small where you can't read it if mm-hmm. you're if you have vision issues um, bulletins thankfully don't come with audio yet yeah But, I mean, you could also think about, you know, putting out your sermon on the web because there are folks who may be blind and can't read your bulletin anyway, but they can can listen to you preach, you know. I've never thought of it from an an accessibility A11Y angle. Good use. We have, um, you know, we have online textbooks, Mm -hmm. and I've seen them in the past couple years. I've been teaching only for seven years, but um, how they've changed. Well, I mean, yeah, no. But, like, how they've changed. Um, you know, it used to be like PDF format, and now there are some that you can highlight in. And, and still, today, I get students who say, I can't, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I need a book, you know. And so, so, yeah, I think that that would be really important as textbooks move. I mean, we don't, techni- you know, a lot of times we don't have um, even a backup classroom set. We, we put all of our stock into online text, and, you know, we have students who are more adapt, you know, but, yeah, we have students who have those same issues with reading online or, or the light that's coming off their computer or, you know, and making those accessible in different ways, you know, maybe to put on a reader that's a black and, you know, one of those, uh, what is it, like a Kindle yeah. Uh, yeah. page, mm-hmm. like white page? Yeah, but, paper white. Yeah, paper white. Yeah, that's a whole different, like, light source, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a good conversation that leads to the questions of, like, why we do the things we do in technology. You know, sometimes I feel like, uh, I I can't think of the most recent example, but there was something that happened to me recently where I saw it and I was like, I mean, I guess it's cool, but what's the point? You know, if it makes it harder for me to use whatever I'm trying to use or if it makes it more difficult for your information to get to me, Mm -hmm. then what's the point of it? You know, just the the novelty factor that doesn't really seem worth it. So I feel like some some aspects of technology have veered off the path a little bit in that respect um, because then you do have these things that we just like, I mean, this is a great conversation because I'm not thinking about these things, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, like parallax that that can actually make people have motion problems, Mm -hmm. you know, and and that seems it's obvious now that we've said it, but like I didn't think about it. Right. So I think it's important yeah. to think about you know, who, like the consumer, you know, if we yeah. are going to be in a consumer mentality, think about sure. who's using your stuff. Well, I mean, and I think too about, you know, Catholics are notorious for making God awful posters <laughs> and horrific flyers <laughs> that, that have, you know, yeah, all true. kinds of random information on them. And you give it to somebody and say, come to my event. And they look at it and go, what event is it? I mean, you know, I've got, I've got is a the cross. Event this there, piece of paper? There, there's a yeah. cross. There, there's silverware here. I'm not sure what that's for. You know, there's a time and a date. And there's, you know, it, d- good design mm-hmm. is a form of accessibility. Right. Saying mm-hmm. this is what you need to know right. rather than just kind of saying, well, there, there's word art. And that's word right. art's awesome. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And there's, there's a lot to it. And I think this kind of connects to the whole notion of, of what does it matter for us as Christians? Well, this is, this is seeking first to understand mm-hmm. and then to be understood, right? It's, it's, a, it's a very uh, Franciscan notion of, of being other thinking first. Mm-hmm. And, and let's be honest, we don't always do that. Right. You know, uh, we, we tend to think that, that the eyeballs with which we see the world are the only eyeballs that there are. And, and we can't do that. So accessibility is a very important thing. It's also 
partially a virtue, right? Mm -hmm. And so, my brothers and sisters, we will be back with you in a moment. You're listening to the Catholic Underground. Stay right where you are. A prayer for vocations. O oh God, who wills not the death of a sinner, but rather that he be converted and live, grant we beseech you through the intercession of the Blessed Mary, ever Virgin, Saint Joseph her spouse, and all the saints, an increase of laborers for your church, fellow laborers with Christ, to spend and consume themselves for souls. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. You found the Catholic Underground somehow in all of your sojourning. I'm Father Chris Decker, joined by Olivia Galino, Kathleen Lee. Father Ryan Humphreys is here. Also, Jeff Blackwell's voice is in space. Hey, Jeff. You still up there? Oh, yeah. Hello, up there. That's right. <laughs> we sent some of Olivia's confections up the pneumatic tube to, mm-hmm. to Josh, uh, Josh. Golly, Jeff. <laughs> Don't That's worry. why he's playing the bossa nova. He's, you know, he's <laughs> enjoying the, 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 the pastry. Right. He That's called me yeah. other Kathleen earlier. You're not alone. <laughs> Sorry. Kevin. Kevin. Uh, I'm having one yeah, of those. I've only known received, you for 16 years. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, let it never be said I'm a nominalist. <laughs> Kathleen, Olivia, it's... I mean, that's pretty close. Yes, Anybody so one, half a dozen, the other, really. H-I-J-K-L-M-N-O. <laughs> yeah, it's just a couple down the list. That's there. like accessibility, putting, you know. How many K- letters? That's really four, our fault oh, for having names that cared, are too If you cared, you'd write your name on your forehead so everybody who saw you would just know. Oh, so, yeah. you, know, you know. You know, A11Y. Yeah, they did. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, uh, by everyone, you mean Father Chris, who can't seem to call people by their name. Well, uh, our picks of the week are indeed coming up, but first we want to help perhaps the the person who's beginning to to think about life. Yes. To ask some of those important questions, uh, most specifically, why? 42. Well, no. That is the answer, Mm. but we have to understand the question. I see. Uh, Apologies. uh, And so, yeah, and so the way that we begin to ask good questions is what we call the study of philosophy, right? Right. Uh, the, the love of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And uh, and really, to become wise, we must first ask the question. Yeah, which is basically a good summary of what philosophy as a discipline is. It's just questions. Mm-hmm. Um, very few people will say that they arrive at, you know, concrete answers in philosophy because it's, it's you're constantly building. So you never really get to the point where you're like, well, I'm done. You know, yeah, it, no. you're always building on knowledge and hopefully um, and and learning from others and and building on the tradition to continue the conversation. It's a Mm -hmm. continual conversation whose end, as Christians, we believe is beatitude. You know, when you see the face of God, then you're done. But um, while on this earthly life, there's a lot of uh, questions to be asked. Your body will be a bit cold by that time, yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But your soul will be more awake than you are now, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we say in beatitude, in the beatific vision, Mm -hmm. we are more awake than we are presently now. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and that's because the the, the questions. I, I wonder too, like in the beatific vision, because Aquinas talks a little bit about this. I wonder if I don't receive an answer to the question of why in the beatific vision, I simply experience the fullness of the depth yeah. of being. 
And the depth of the why. Yeah, the depth of the well, why. And John Paul II would say that you, you would not receive an answer because it's not a question to be answered, it's but a, a mystery, mystery to be considered. To be right. considered. Right. Yeah, and, and that's the thing about mysteries. Mysteries, we re-encounter, and we mm-hmm. re-encounter, and we re-encounter. Yeah. And that's really what good philosophy is. It's helping us to encounter mystery. Yeah, and I think that's why John Paul II is so important to modern philosophy. Um, and maybe he gets, well, no, he certainly gets overlooked mm-hmm. um, because of it. Uh, you know the fact that he was a religious leader he gets overlooked in in philosophical circles as mm-hmm. someone who contributed mm-hmm. to the body a great of deal yeah right. um, because he was this marriage of Thomism and phenomenology which mm-hmm. is what y'all are talking about like experiencing the mystery that's phenomenology mm-hmm. but he did it in a way that's so life-giving that uh, is something that that discipline really needs but rounding back to I was the gonna beginning say, before of this we can conversation get to that point, sorry he yeah, brought up right. jp2 yes. um <laughs> No, I love that I get to talk about this because, I mean, I have my, my undergrad um, degree in um, in philosophy. And so this is something that I get asked a lot is, like, where do I start if I want to learn philosophy? And I think it's a great question because it seems like this um, amorphous, unaccessible, mm-hmm. uh, unaccessible mm-hmm. thing. And I don't I, I can't quite penetrate it unless I'm, like, on the inside somehow. And that's not true. Like, everyone thinks philosophically. Yeah. Um, and what I tell people is that philosophy is just teaching you the language uh, that that your brain already works in, Ooh. that you as a human being already think through the world in. Write that down. Um, Father Ryan is going to be writing that one down. Yeah, philosophy is just the language. So like anything else, you, you learn the grammar, you learn the structure, you learn what other people have written in that language, and then you go on and you continue to speak it yourself. Because mm-hmm. um, it's just a way of, of uh, experiencing and understanding the world. Um, yeah. And uh, I love that we're we're going off of a list that was posted on alatea.org by John Berger. Awesome last name. That's right. And um, he starts, and I love this, he starts by quoting Diogenes, who was an ancient Greek philosopher. Um, and he was said to have wandered the streets with a lamp during the day looking for an honest man. That's a quote. Um, and I think that's really an apt uh metaphor for a lot of what happens or a lot of what is considered wisdom seeking today. Um, It's a lot of just wandering around grasping at something that maybe seems interesting or something that seems wise. And so you end up having a lot of people who know a little bit about not a lot um, Uh, or who grasp onto something that sounds intriguing because it's unconventional. And and that becomes their reality. Yeah. Everything from that lens. Right. And I think that's kind of a dangerous way to be. So um, the great thing about philosophy, you know, it's a love of wisdom. That's, that's what it is. So if you're, if you're seeking after true wisdom, you kind of have to, um, suspend like opinion in a certain way Mm -hmm. and, and just experience things as they are. Um, I remember our, our ancient philosophy class, Father Ryan, the very first, actually the very second thing that was said, because the first thing happened after a question was asked, inevitably Mm -hmm. it's always somebody, but father, what about God? Mm -hmm. And our philosophy professor always, uh, he said the very second thing, if you're going to be in this class, you have to bracket God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For just this this ancient philosophy, you have to take mm-hmm. what you know and then you have to kind of bracket it yeah. for a minute so that we can build, give you the building right. blocks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, because, I mean, we in 2018 are starting in a very different place than the pre-Socratics, you know, mm. like, and, and it's easy to look at them and say, like, oh, they didn't know anything. Why are we reading this? And it's like, no, they knew a lot. They yeah. understood a lot about how the world works, but they were still developing the language. See, like, mm. just how languages develop and we don't speak the same as Shakespeare did is because the, these things take time and, and experience to develop. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also important to note when you're doing um, philosophy, and I, I use that term intentionally, doing philosophy, um, 
to realize uh, Aristotle's notion of what a, what makes a wise man, he says the mark of an educated man is that he can entertain a thought without accepting it. Mm. Um, and I think that's also something that we've lost um, no, because true. people read something or they hear something and it sounds really intelligent or it sounds really enticing for whatever reason. Yeah. And so they just assimilate it into themselves. I think I just understood Flannery O'Connor's short story just now. A good man is hard to find. Mm-hmm. Is the yeah. I, I will take that as a compliment. No, no, it is. No, keep going, keep going. Achievement um, unlocked. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, but no, that's something else to consider because if you're gonna if you're gonna start reading philosophy, that's something you're not gonna agree with everything that you read, and that's okay right. because you're you're understanding how other people are viewing the world and viewing their experience. You don't know everything that they've experienced, mm-hmm. um, but you're also getting an insight into. Uh, legitimate human experience that needs to be taken for what it is. Um, yeah. And also, uh, just another note before I dive in, I promise I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> read primary texts. <laughs> that's what uh, I yeah. would, that's my suggestion. Um, when, I, when people ask me, what, do I, what am I going to read? It's, it's always a good idea to read like essays or articles that comment on things, but read the thing first. So yeah. if you want to read, if you want to understand Kierkegaard's Fear and Trembling better, read it first. And then, read, read about it yeah, yeah because then you'll have a, a basis for understanding um uh, you'll be able to to agree or disagree with the commentators you're, you're able to enter into that conversation more than if you just read an article and then read parts of the the actual text and kind of just took their opinion because it was the only one that you knew at the time yeah in fact uh, i was i was uh talking about shakespeare in one of my parish missions that i gave last week and uh, there's this thing called No Fear Shakespeare by oh, yeah. the uh, by the Spark Notes people. I remember so that. So you can read. They didn't have it whenever I was in school. And so you can read the the Old English, right, the Shakespearean English, and then you can read a modern translation. Mm-hmm. But I would never advocate somebody just reading the modern translation yeah. without experiencing uh, the original Shakespeare. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's actually another point that I wanted to make too is that your mind has to. Uh, learn how to read philosophically. It's, yes. So even though it's something that you inherently have the capacity to do, you have it's like a muscle. You have to work it out, mm-hmm. and you have to teach your brain and and your your whole way of thinking how to do this thing. See Kathleen's segment for more information on how to do that, because it really exactly, is like an yeah. Olympian work for your brain. No, yeah. that's that, that's really really true. And I and I told a seminarian this um, not that long ago who was who's just starting in philosophy, and he was like, it's really hard. And I'm like, it's because your brain is forming new neural pathways. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a yeah. break. Um, yeah, you're, you're reteaching yourself how to think. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, mm-hmm. if it's hard or if it doesn't make sense, that's okay. I mm-hmm. spent three and a quarter, three and three quarters years, whatever, English in my uh, philosophy program thinking I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. It's fine. So, <laughs> it's anyway. Fine. It's fine. Um, so Phil Tragus, he's the founder of the reading list and he came up with this list of, uh, the best philosophy books for beginners. And what he did was he pulled a bunch of philosophy professors from all over the country and actually all over the world. One of them's from, uh, Oxford and just asked their opinion on, you know, what's a good place for someone to start. And the, the cool thing about this list is that, um, before I'd even started reading it or, um, before I had just read it in depth, I scanned the list for what was on it and I was immediately disagreeing with some of the things. And then I read his comment that said, some may disagree agree with the choices here but philosophers don't shy from argument so here we go <laughs> let um, the argument begin it really yeah. is the cu olympics <laughs> <laughs> no and i i i hope to make this interesting because i find it supremely interesting but um but yeah so he starts with plato um and a lot of the the philosophers that he asks for titles 
start with Play-Doh. And I think that's a good option. Um, I, w I wouldn't suggest that someone who's starting out in philosophy start with the pre-Socratics. So people like Herodotus, um, I mean... Anaximenes. Yeah, yeah, like um, Empedocles. pre-Socratic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, because they have interesting cosmologies or views of the world. Um, they, they don't have... They're still trying to like put form to chaos in a certain mm -hmm. sense, um, because they're still very, very pagan. I mean, and so is Plato, but like they're still very pagan and it influences the way that they think. And so it's just not helpful unless you kind of know what's coming after. That's like one instance where you would read a little bit ahead to know that you're going to get to a place that makes sense and mm -hmm. then go back. Um, so, yeah, I would start with Plato. Mm -hmm. Where I disagree is some of them want to start with certain texts in Plato, and I disagree with those. So okay. one said the Symposium, which is um, Plato's work on beauty, which is incredible, and you should read it. But uh, I wouldn't start there because it can be a little disconcerting with some of the things that he's saying if mm -hmm. you don't have an understanding for how he works and how he thinks. Yeah, his and, language that he's developing right. as yeah, he's writing. Yeah, and just his project. Um, so, so what would you I've, suggest as an opening work of Plato? The Republic. The Republic. Really? Yeah, I would suggest the Republic. And if for nothing else, you know, so in the Republic, he's trying, he's thinking about um, through like the voice of different interlocutors or different speakers, he's thinking about what the perfect society would be, quote unquote. And what's interesting about it is like that's not his main project. His main project is to think philosophically through the different things that make up a, a society, you know, because it's not just it's not just politics. Um, it's not just government and like municipal things. It's, it's anything from epistemology, the way we think, from metaphysics, like the philosophy of being, um, morality and ethics, uh, even things like the status of women. He talks about that um, in the Republic. So he really kind of covers all his bases. And I think it's a great introduction for how to think about these things philosophically so looking at them from the inside out um and would you say you get a feel for his language like what yes. he's setting up the the conventions that he's going to use elsewhere yes you get a feel for the way he tells stories he uses a lot of stories he um he uses a lot of dialogue and um as a way of presenting philosophical information which is a little bit odd at first um but then almost every philosopher after yeah. uses that yes, right. yeah even if they're just parodying parodying him that's what they're doing. They're getting it from him. Um, so yeah, I would start with the Republic and then move on to like the dialogues or um, so like the Apology. Yeah, um, the that's apology, what I was thinking. The Apology is a great place to yeah, start. Apologia, yeah, Apology. Yeah, um, that's a great one because if you want to get understand how he understood Socrates, who came mm -hmm. before him, that's the way to do it. And really, keep in mind that um, if you want to start with Socrates, you can't because he didn't write anything down. That's right. <laughs> um, so Plato's your best bet. And well even though it's, it's his interpretation of Socrates, I think for the most part, he does a good job. Um, so yeah, so Plato's a, a great place to start. And what's interesting is that no one on this list um, mentioned Aristotle. And I don't know if it's just because like my education was Aristotelian, but like you gotta read Aristotle. Yeah. He's the natural conclusion. What? <laughs> Father Ryan, you don't think you gotta read Aristotle? If, if I was starting out to learn philosophy, I would say learn Plato, learn Augustine, learn Aquinas, and then come back and worry about 
de anima or something like that. Because I think you're going to imbibe Aristotle. But I mean, it, it, when it comes to to without having an actual teacher, mm-hmm. I think Aristotle is incredibly confusing. I will okay. I will say there. I would not pick up like the basic works of Aristotle and just start oh, at page yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Unless if you like gonna, to cry. Yeah, <laughs> because the categories will kill your soul. Like you yeah. think Leviticus is hard? No, the categories <laughs> just makes you want to find a cliff. And oh, that would so, be more modern philosophy post existentialist philosophy yeah. is finding the cliff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, you know, where do you think they got no that cliff. from? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no. So if you're going to start with Aristotle, which I recommend like going from Plato to Aristotle, but if you want to read something of his, I'd go with Nicomachean ethics. Cause mm-hmm. remember he's, he's writing that for his son. It's a, like a primer on ethics that he wrote yeah. for his son. And granted, I'm sure he was a smart kid, but it's, he had to have been to read his father. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that's a good place to start. Um, especially it gets you familiar with the way he thinks. And then if you're going to go into Aquinas, which a lot of people kind of want to end up there, they mm-hmm. want to end up with Aquinas, you have to have some familiarity with Aristotle. Because it's worth noting for those of you who are beginning this journey that, that Thomas Aquinas was the one who, who took Aristotle's mm-hmm. uh, components of philosophical thought and showed how Christianity uh, completes them, if you will. Yeah, which yeah. was a very unpopular thought at the time. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, it's not very popular now, actually. Yeah. That's, that's true. <laughs> In modern society. That's yeah. true. But it just goes to show you that philosophy is not something that is barred from the church just because oh. it tends towards the secular. No, we have a lot to um, to say. I mean, and remember, if philosophy is the language of human beings, then we have to understand our that's philosophy. Right. That's right. Because we, the mystical body of Christ, also happen to be human beings. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Surprise. As it turns out. Yeah. yeah. We're not automata. <laughs> no, we are not. That's a whole. That's actually also a postmodern philosophy, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, being an automaton. Well, I mean, when you think about what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God, we can think and we can love. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, I mean, philosophy at a certain level addresses those two faculties deeply and profoundly. Yeah, and in a way that helps you take ownership of the things that you were created to be, the capacities you were created to exercise. Um, So that's why I think it's interesting in a certain sense why some of these, um, and and granted, these are philosophers in their own right, but, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't disagree with them. So I think it's interesting that how some of them say, like, oh, well, maybe you want to skip the ancients. And I'm like, I don't think you could do that because that's how we got into this mess of postmodern philosophy in the first place. (laughs) That's right, they just skipped over. And they started. Just, yeah, they were like, well, you know, we can't really learn anything from like 1600 forward. I mean, 1600 back. So we'll just go forward. And it's like, no, that's that's no. Okay, so one of them suggests starting with the existentialists, which is not a bad place to end up if you find that interesting. But again, you have to know. It's like if you're gonna throw away the ladder, you have to have experienced what it's like to have a ladder before you know what you're gonna be missing. I don't know if that's the best metaphor, but like these are people, this is the tradition. You know, if we're, we are very much um, traditionalist in the sense of we have capital T tradition in the church and we continue to, to understand it, to unfold it more as time moves on. Uh, and, and the philosophical tradition is the same because remember for a long time they were very closely um, mirrored with theology that we, we build on the tradition. And if we throw away the tradition, then we just, we kind of, we don't have a leg to stand on. We have to start over. Right. Um, so we really cut ourselves off at the knees, uh, or they did, whenever they uh, they really threw away the tradition and just started from scratch. And they started with their own minds, which is dangerous. Um, yeah, so sometimes our minds are not always correct. Yeah. And that's really what the good works of philosophy do, is they kind of step outside, in a sense, 
mm-hmm. of, of what each individual mind is thinking. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to look for, for sources that are, that are is, well, I guess as a Christian you can say, that they're looking for sources that are outside of what our minds are thinking. Mm. Yeah. And, and so they're saying that these thoughts are possible, but not simply because this is, this is the real universe inside my head, mm-hmm. but because there is something else that is guiding my ability to think. Did yeah. I get that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> now my head explodes. <laughs> no, 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 that's a great way of putting it too. And especially because, I mean, if you're trying to extrapolate to something that can be said of all human experience or of all human whatever, mm-hmm. and you're only focusing on your own mind, you're, you're really setting yourself up to fail almost yeah. because, and I think this is where a lot of philosophy gets in trouble. And it's also how a lot of like female philosophers have had um, issues with this because you can say that most philosophy that's been done is, is really more a philosophy of man. Mm-hmm. Like Edith Schein's contributions to philosophy are extremely important because yeah. she brings the feminine voice in a way that's not undermining the tradition, but in a way that um, fleshes it out and a complements more. it in yes. a very real way. Yes, yeah. very much so. But um, but if you're so if you're looking for a, a place to start, you know they recommended if you wanted to start with Descartes, which I don't know why you would, but oh God no, like mm-hmm. meditations on first philosophy, it's it's a roller coaster inside his brain, and he even starts with like I'm sitting in my winter dressing gown, and he's writing like I oh I wouldn't read that first, yeah. um, and especially because he's trying to make philosophies um, the basis for science and continue from there, and so he's kind of deconstructing. Um, thinking theologically, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think that it has dangerous consequences. Well, I mean, we, we are living in the post-Descartes world, yeah. right? Where where we create this this split, this dichotomy between faith and reason, or faith and science, mm-hmm. and and that kind of Cartesian world yeah. is is very much where we find ourselves. And you see the disintegration that takes place, all because folks are thinking about just what their what their eyeballs can shudder. Yeah. Right. Like what I can close my mind around is what's real. Yeah. And um, and that's really a terrible place to begin the work of philosophy, mm-hmm. because well, there are many more things that I have never seen before just here on Earth. Mm-hmm. And so how can I possibly say that what my eyeball shudder is is 100% real, right? yeah. you know, no, exactly. just from that phenomenological uh, point of departure? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, while you find in, you know, in mm-hmm. people like Descartes or Francis Bacon or more like uh, in, into modernity, like like Nietzsche or... Um, I don't know, Heidegger, like when you find things that resonate because they are, are things that you've been taught maybe uh, subvertively. Um, I, I don't know that it's the best place to start because it can be confusing. It could be like, re- it can be like a confirmation bias, like, oh, yeah. well then this is true. All of these right. things that I've been learning are true when in fact, maybe not. So, I mean, you can, you can start with a particular philosopher. You can maybe even start with an idea, uh, like justice, um, and follow that line through. Um, but wherever you start, um, make sure that you, you begin with, um, a, a certain sense of gentleness towards yes, yourself, you know, like right. be patient with yourself and, uh, Send us your questions and your thoughts on what you're reading in back chat. Because Olivia would love to answer. I would love that more than anything. Please do that. That's right. Back chat at catholicundergroundcom is the way to do that. We might even read it on the show, and it might become a segment. So there you go. But you know, we do have to take a little bit of time for that segment of the show that we favor and we like to call the CU Pick of the Week. And for our first CU Pick of the Week, uh, well, we usually go to Kathleen. Do you want us to wait for you? Okay. 
Father Ryan, you got a pick of the week? I do have a pick of the week. I am the resident nerd at Catholic Underground, uh, and I would like to recommend for anybody who is looking to get into a little bit of software development, uh, there's a guy in the UK, a, a YouTube channel called Net Ninja, and it is a top-notch channel. It's very, very good. It's easy. It's very, very free, youtube.com slash Net Ninja. This is if, you, if you're wondering what it takes, like what, would, what does actual code look like? Uh, you know, when you say design a website, what does that mean? Uh, you can watch a couple of videos, see what these magical code things are, and go, huh, maybe I can do that, or maybe I can't. Uh, and so NetNinja is a great way to do that, to get look at it. He's super easy to follow. I recommend him highly. Uh, and so YouTube.com slash NetNinja. Yeah, I'm definitely in the latter. I can look at code and go, eh, I don't know if I can do this one. So you go from the Net Ninja to the Faith Ninja. Kathleen, <laughs> Kathleen your oh, pick of the you week. You okay. said it so for several years, I think for nine years, I went on the March for Life and um, went to the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. If you've never been there, part of your life is missing people. It's just beautiful. It's one of the ten. It's within the ten largest churches in the world. Um gorgeous and so every year i walk in there with about at least 450 other people <laughs> and you know we set up for mass for the first hour that i'm there you're on I the make, go i make sure that we're doing everything right because you don't mess up in the basilica right and then i spend about 15 minutes running around to these beautiful gorgeous chapels that are dedicated to um, different titles of our lady um and then i get back on the bus <laughs> and i went last week to dc um to visit some friends julie and mike and um i went to the to the basilica and i said this is all i want to do while i'm here everything else is lanyap and so i went and i had all day and i went you know about 15 minutes i walked around i walked in there was no one there it was me and the and the, the security people and i was like this is awesome <laughs> and so i walked around in about 15 minutes and i said kathleen lee you have all the time in the world and so i went down i got a little audio tour three and a half hours later nice i've decided that i'm going to retire right now and become a and docent become, and become a tour guide because it is awesome there's so much to see there's so much to explore to be revealed every time i go in there the lord hits me over the face with something that i've probably passed by a billion times and never read um so i picked up a, i bought a tour guide book they just finished the the biggest dome they have several domes a, a couple um and they just finished the um the trinity dome you can look it up online we're going to put the website in the show notes look at it because it's it's beautiful it's a depiction of the trinity of course our lady and then um several modern saints including john paul ii mm -hmm. uh, mother Teresa. Mm -hmm. um i think I think St. Kateri is in, is in there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like a whole bunch more that you're going to recognize right off the bat. And this is in our, our John national Newman, shrine. John Neumann, John Neumann, all of them. Yeah, and you can go on New their Neumann. website and, and view it and um, see what, what it's all made of. Just gorgeous. Uh, Pope Francis, when he came to visit, uh, came and like blessed the dome because they were still in the making. Oh, of it. he was yeah. blessing the mosaic yeah, itself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Sounds gorgeous. like you had a good time. I mm. did. It I was go so back. good. All right, I guess we better move on to Olivia here. Yeah, so my pick of the week is also kind of a book. Um, well, it, it is a book, it's but yours was kind of... Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> it's it's called The Sabbath, um, cool. and it was it's written by a rabbi, Abraham Joshua Heschel, and uh, and I can't remember. I think I got it as a, at a used bookstore, so I'm not sure if it's still in print. It looks weathered. But it is a beautiful commentary on the Sabbath, and not just, you know... Uh, 
you would think like, oh, he's a rabbi, so he's talking about the rules of the day. No, he talks about like the mystic nature of the Sabbath, Ooh. what it's intended to be. And it's interesting because we've been talking a lot in our office about leisure lately. We had a Theology on Tap talk about um, leisure as the basis of culture. And um, and he, he echoes a lot of those sentiments, but he connects them to divine worship um, oh. and the real intention of the Sabbath. He even says at one point, the Sabbath is a bride and its celebration is like a wedding. That's I mean, why we go to mass, because, you know. Yes, yeah, there, and that's the thing about reading this book, is that there's a lot in here that you will oh. recognize as, oh, well, that's why we do that in the mass, or, oh, that's mm. why we're not supposed to do that on Sundays. Yeah. So it's a really beautiful work, and um, it actually is on Amazon. You can get some used copies for about $27, huh. So and Kindle for cheaper than that. Aristotle so. is to Aquinas as Judaism is to Christianity? Absolutely it is. Mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Something to think about. Pyongyang. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's you, know, my contribution you know they're assigning that. us medals in the chat room because Ooh. they've deemed this the CU Olympic episode. Yes. Yeah. My my pick of the week is one that I also bought in a secondhand bookstore uh, last week. I happened to be browsing the the, the religious section of a, of a half price books, and I found the Illustrissimi. This is letters from Saint. Uh, well. Almost, huh? Mm-hmm. Pope John Paul I. Now, whenever he was the Patriarch of Venice, not the Shakespeare play, but uh, the actual mm-hmm. Patriarch of Venice, he he wrote letters. Uh, I think it was the St. Anthony Messenger Press had him write letters to various, he calls them illustrious characters. Mm-hmm. And so these are all the letters that he wrote. So let me let me tell you, he wrote a letter to Charles Dickens, and these are just kind of like open, open yeah. letters, you know, we'd call them that way. So Charles Dickens, he wrote a letter to Mark Twain, to G.K. Chesterton. Nice. Um, to uh, to uh, St. Bernard of Clairvaux, also to Pinocchio. Aww. In fact, the letter to Pinocchio is when you get a crush on someone. Aww. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah, and then uh, let's see, to Hippocrates, uh, yeah, to uh, to St. Luke the Evangelist, some really good letters. And so there's good philosophy in here mm. and good theology as well. So the Illustrissimi, it's available on Amazon, I believe, uh, and you can get it there. Probably not half price, though. Uh, of course, um, you can always let us know what your picks of the week are because uh, because we want to know. Hmm. Backchat at catholicunderground.com is the way to do that. And I suppose, uh, would you like me to give the plug, Jeff? I can. Okay, go right ahead, yeah, Father. Yeah, all right, because we got, we got a camera angle and everything on this side. Okay, so, go for so, it. <clears throat> I'll do my best, uh, Jeff. This week, Catholic Underground is possible because of people like you. Join the growing number of undergrounders at catholicunderground.com slash donate. Portions of the Catholic Underground are brought to you by audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. That's audibletrial.com slash catholicunderground. Do you want the show notes for this episode? Was that okay? Uh, a silver medal. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I didn't mean to set, make you sound like, you know, a, a, a pizza store yeah. character. I, I don't know. I can't get that deep, though. Yeah, that's you know? yeah. yeah. right. a deep timber. You'd like the show notes for this episode. <laughs> or subscribe to the podcast. You can In go to catholicunderground.com. <laughs> In a world where our panelists have been Kathleen Lee. She's the unpaid docent of the Catholic Underground. True. Thank yeah. you, Kathleen. You're welcome anytime. Olivia Galino is the philosophers. Oh, I like that. You like that? Yeah, I, yeah, at OM Galino on Instagram. Instagram. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father Ryan Humphreys is at FR Humphreys on Twitter and Instagram and all those other things. Well, FR Ryan on Instagram, FR oh. Humphreys everywhere else. Okay, all right. Uh, technical director is Jeff Blackwell. He's up in space at Jeff Blackwell. Thanks, Jeff. An honor, Father. Our research assistant and the leader of the crew in the lab is Jim Hayes. Our video director for this episode has been Albert the Great. You know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Digital Catholic. We hope that we've helped you cut through the noise and find that still small voice. We are the Catholic Underground. We are Faith Gone Digital, and I promise we'll see you next time.
from the Catholic Underground.